Welcome to the Sensemaking in a Changing World podcast, where we explore the kind of thinking we need to navigate a positive way forward. I'm your host, Maura Gamble, permaculture educator and global ambassador, filmmaker, eco-villager, food forester, mother, practivist, and all-round lover of thinking, communicating, and acting regeneratively. For a long time, it's been clear to me that to shift trajectory to a thriving one-planet way of life, we first need to shift our thinking. The way we perceive ourselves in relation to nature, self, and community is the core. So this is true now more than ever, and even the way change is changing is changing. Unprecedented changes are happening all around us at a rapid pace. So how do we make sense of this? To know which way to turn, to know what action to focus on, so our efforts are worthwhile and nourishing and are working towards resilience, regeneration and reconnection. What better way to make sense than to join together with others in open, generative conversation? In this podcast, I'll share conversations with my friends and colleagues, people who inspire and challenge me in their ways of thinking, connecting and acting. These wonderful people are thinkers, doers, activists, scholars, writers, leaders, farmers, educators, people whose work informs permaculture and spark the imagination of of what a post-COVID, climate-resilient, socially just future could look like. Their ideas and projects help us to make sense in this changing world, to compost and digest the ideas and to nurture the fertile ground for new ideas, connections and actions. Together we'll open up conversations in the world of permaculture design, regenerative thinking, community action, earth repair, eco-literacy and much more. I can't wait to share these conversations with you. Over the last three decades of personally making sense of the multiple crises we face, I always return to the practical and positive world of permaculture with its ethics of earth care, people care and fair share. I've seen firsthand how adaptable and responsive it can be in all contexts, from urban to rural, from refugee camps to suburbs. It helps people make sense of what's happening around them and to learn accessible design tools to shape their habitat positively and to contribute to cultural and ecological regeneration. This is why I've created the Permaculture Educators Program, to help thousands of people to become permaculture teachers everywhere through an interactive online dual certificate of permaculture design and teaching. We sponsor global perma-youth programs, women's self-help groups in the global south, and teens in refugee camps. So anyway, this podcast is sponsored by the Permaculture Education Institute and our Permaculture Educators Program. If you'd like to find more about permaculture, I've created a four-part permaculture video series to explain what permaculture is and and also how you can make it your livelihood as well as your way of life. We'd love to invite you to join our wonderfully inspiring, friendly and supportive global learning community. So I welcome you to share each of these conversations and I'd also like to suggest you create a local conversation circle to explore the ideas shared in each show and discuss together how this makes sense in your local community and environment. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I meet and speak with you today, the Gubby Gubby people, and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. It's my great pleasure to share with you today on Sensemaking in a Changing World, a conversation I recorded with Daniel Christian Vahl, a great friend of mine and someone who I consider to be one of the most brilliant thinkers of of my generation. This conversation was recorded as we walked together through the ancient olive terraces around an old monastery called Sonradan in Mallorca last year. We met there for the first time, actually, and it was the beginning of a friendship 
um, that's continued. We'd known of each other for years, but finally we met. Uh, we're both deeply involved in eco-villages, in regenerative education and design, and have deep affiliations with places like Schumacher College and also with the Global Eco-Village Network. Daniel's book, Designing Regenerative Cultures, published in 2016, is what I consider to be essential reading, helping us to reframe the crises we currently face and explore ways that we can live into the future. He brings together some of the most important thinking of our time and weaves it together with a series of questions which help to provoke us to think about how we can collaborate in the creation of diverse and regenerative cultures. So I hope you enjoy walking with us in this conversation in the Mediterranean. I'm on Mallorca at the moment with Daniel Val, and it's a great pleasure to be here. I, we've kind of known of each other for, I think, what, 20 years or something, yeah, something and like finally we get to meet. In and this place as well. I know, it's Wonderful a gorgeous place. I don't know if you can see behind us. So what's this place called? And Son Ulan. Whose place is it? It's yeah. owned by a friend of mine who's a, a fashion designer called Sibylla Sorondo. Right. And she has been on, stewarding this place for, I think, by now 20 years. And it's been home to a lot of people who um, at some point in their life needed to kind of reflect and have a break and kind of uh, yeah, power down a bit. And yeah. it's such a magical environment to do that in. And you've run lots and of different programs here too, I understand. Yeah, when we first got to Mallorca, Sibylla um, invited Alice and me to stay here for seven months. Oh, and that's such an amazing experience. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and I helped Mandy um, organize the first EDE, Eco Village Design Education course here. Oh, great. In 2011. Yep. Which was right there on this terrace down oh, that so we just see. walked past. So we're kind of we're up here above and behind us here. I don't know if you can see it in yeah, the screen. That's the Mediterranean, and then if we swing around a bit this way, we're surrounded by ancient olive trees and Sierra de Tramontana up there. Huge mountain range up behind us, which I actually don't think I was quite expecting when I came to Mallorca. That's Mallorca's secret because we have. The mountains, and we have them where they are, yeah. means that all the moisture that comes over from the Pyrenees yeah, rains right. off in the mountains. Yeah. And we have pretty lush green area in the mountains, and then on the other side of the island, it's almost a semi-arid desert. So what brought you to Mallorca in the first instance? I mean, you're German, aren't you? I'm German originally, but yeah. um, ever since I've um, been a little boy, like six months old, my grandmother took me to Italy for my holidays. Ah, oh, okay. So basically, by the time I was 18, I'd already spent a year and a half in the Mediterranean, okay. near the Mediterranean. Yeah. And realized that one doesn't need to live in northern climates. Right. One chooses to do otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've always wanted to live in, like, I've tried twice to live in Spain. And yeah. then the third time... After leaving Findhorn, yeah. um, Sibylle, who I had met at the Bioneers Conference, I organized oh, right. in Holland, invited yeah. me that I could come and stay here for a while. Oh, and I also really liked the idea of Mallorca being a case study site for bioregional development. Right. Because after um, my time in the eco-village movement and, and also helping with transition town initiatives at the beginning of the transition town boom, yeah. I sort of realized that the scale at which you can create a really regenerative sustainable system is bioregional mm. and, and not quite so small as I had yeah. thought for 15 years. Right. Like this whole so self-sufficiency story that yeah. a lot of people get into in the beginning, I yeah. realized that to really create 
resilience, you have to create it with lots of people in your region and with lots of communities Absolutely. in the region. Yeah. So just tell me a little bit more about that because you're, you've written a book and the book's called Designing Regenerative Culture. So maybe yeah. we could start saying, you know, what do you define as being a regenerative culture? What does that mean to you? What does it, what does it look like in your eye, in your mind's eye, if you imagine it, mm -hmm. what do you see? Well, um, first of all, the, the, it's really important that it's de designing regenerative cultures, that it's plural. Uh, yes. Yep. Because um, I think that these cultures have to be very carefully adapted to what I call the biocultural uniqueness of place. Mm. So the, the local ecosystem and its um, opportunities and challenges and the whole history of the local culture and, and who lives there and their stories. Yeah. So, so each regenerative culture will express itself differently depending on their history and, and, and their place. Yeah. Um, and for me, because everything keeps changing continuously it's really about the capacity of the people in that place to live in ways that leave the place more bioproductive more abundant healthier more valuable yeah. in in all ways not just in terms of um, human value um then they've received it from their forebearers yeah. so it's about healing the landscape restoring ecosystems and making them as bioproductive as they can be, which is what you've been busy with all your life. <laughs> so I was about to ask you though, I mean, what, so in order to do that, what's the type of education that we need to support that unfolding or the emergence of these cultures that you're talking about? I think, like, first of all, we need to get off the mindset that education is something that you do in the first third of your life and then you just work <laughs> and then you get tired. Yes. Like, um, we have to rediscover education as something that is a lifelong process of educare, drawing out our full potential. Mm. Um, and the potential changes as we gain experience and our surroundings change. So it's, yeah. it's, it has to be lifelong learning. Yes. And um, I think we know... A lot of wonderful educational initiatives that both you and I have been involved in, the, in the Eco-Village Movement, Guy Education, Guy University, the whole permaculture network, the regenerative agriculture, and all, all those networks that are doing wonderful work. Um, other people like Otto Sharma with Theory U and all these processes. Yeah. We, we need a holistic education that brings, that enables people to do this regenerative work in their place. Yes. So one of the my, my mentors from the Regenesis group in their regenerative practitioner training, they um, really highlight the importance of capacity building as part of working regeneratively. And so when, when you say that, what, what, what do you mean by capacity building in what way? Capacity building to... It, it, it's all the dimensions. It's like the, in the guy education curriculum, we have the social, economic, ecological, and worldview dimension. Yeah. And I think we've, we've created an education system that creates too many generalists. And we now have all the information so at our fingertips through yeah. computers that yeah. we really need generalists that know how to integrate and synthesize yeah. and connect um, information. And that requires being able to talk to people. So it's communication skills. There's also how to run a project and how to budget it and how to fundraise for it and yeah. all those kind of things or yeah. have innovative ways of funding it. So you have to have some kind of economic literacy too. Yes. Social literacy, economic literacy. But then, of course, all the ecological literacy that 
we can draw out of permaculture and, and other um, such uh, methods that have studied the patterns in nature and have tried to invent human ways that connect with these patterns um, to enhance them because we are part of nature, we're not separate from it. Yeah. Um, they, they also can meaningfully inform how we do business and how we um, build our communities. And, Absolutely. And I think that it's, it's the big challenge, we talked about this yesterday, is that can we create um, the network that now that we're at this critical point in human mm -hmm. history where, where I believe that if we get it right, we will upskill millions of people in mm. the next five years to so do this a, work. And, and I, I, I think my mind started going a buzz when yeah. you started talking about the, the scale that you're talking yeah. about. I think it's absolutely critical, but it, it sort of bounced me out of my kind of thinking about local and community and even bioregional mm. because what you're talking about is a, it's kind of like a global awakening. Yeah, but it's local. It's, uh, yeah, it's, okay, right. it's locally grounded in the yeah. story of place, in the biocultural yeah. uniqueness of place. Yeah. But I think what we, we're sort of at the brink that at least a percentage of the people who are part of that um, elite monetary class that, mm -hmm. that has now amassed vast amounts of mm. money are beginning to realize that they will not be able to enjoy that money if mm. the planet goes to ruin and, yeah. and we're going there fast. Yeah. And so I think the money will be made available to train up these people. Yeah. And and so th that means all the organizations who for years, mm. 30, 40 years, some, some of them, mm. have been struggling in skilling up a few permaculture yeah. teachers a year. Like, yeah. how many do we get to? 10,000 a year if yeah. we're lucky yeah. glo globally? Yeah. yeah. And it, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it's not enough. No, it's and, not enough. And, and, and so um, I envision bringing all these players together to, to at least make visible this pathway that already mm. exists that yes. somebody could take to yeah. really become part of the regeneration yeah. rising, to, to find their path in all this, yeah. to maybe specialize a little bit, say I'm more of a facilitator guy, yeah. a guy in, or I'm more of, of an of a agroforester, yeah. 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 but um, to at least know the value of all of them and yeah. how, they, how they talk to each other in a regenerative yeah. system. Um, and, and so how do, you, how do you see all of this linking in with the major movements that are emerging now? You know, the climate action. Well, I, I just this morning had, had a real moment, like I was watching all the footage from last weekend in London mm. and the Extinction Rebellion. Yeah. And as much, I mean, it's good friends of mine are activating that. Mm. Uh, um, but I'm not 100% sure. Maybe rebellion speaks to a certain age group mm -hmm. in, a, in a way that you get more excited about yeah. joining it. Yeah. Um, but for me, it has a sort of, as much as they say there is still a chance, mm. uh, I see the negative message first yeah, yeah. Uh, and I feel coming from fear yeah. isn't really unleashing people's creativity. Yeah. And, and so, so, how do you so think for, for me, catching all that energy that is in Extinction Rebellion yeah. and catching all that energy that is now with Greta Thunberg's amazing work in, yes. in Fridays for Futures yeah. and really giving it a little bit of a spin towards we are the regeneration yes. rising. We, yeah. we can... Um, in all these places become yeah. a force to, to heal our ecosystems and in that process heal ourselves. Yeah. And, and, and then to really also challenge these, these silos we're still in. Like yeah. the, 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 I don't think that the world of the 22nd century will be a world of nation states. Mm. It will be a world of people being carefully adapted to their bioregion mm. in global collaboration. Yeah. And so all this thing that we're still holding on to of national identities and stuff, they, mm. they, they'll take generations to mm. 
be absorbed and not become so important anymore. Yeah. But 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 we need to start realizing that we're one humanity on one planet, part of the community of mm-hmm. life, and either we express that that we are mm-hmm. part of the community of life. I think Janine Benyus nailed it with saying, "Life creates conditions conducive to life." Yeah, and as life, we are capable. Of creating conditions conducive to life. Yeah, and should we start? That's what we need to way? do. Yeah, that's so. So there's a couple of things that you've just said in there. Like, um, one of them being about just slightly turning, or slightly. Well, it's something about you know. There's this there's this movement rising, and I feel like all of the work that we've been doing in the eco village movement, the permaculture movement, the bioregion movement, like for decades, mm-hmm. all this work is is there kind of waiting. Yeah. In a, for this activation to happen. But my question is about how do we turn on, how do we kind of connect the two mm-hmm. so that it's this fluid movement? Have you I'm, got any ideas on that? I'm, I'm still waiting for it to happen to some extent. Like I've, I've reached out to some of the voices in, in the Extinction Rebellion and, and I mean, for example, George Mumby really picked up on Jeremy Lin's work and a little bit on Ravos's work. Right. But... Yep. But I've not seen him fully embrace this idea of the regeneration rising and, and all mm-hmm. the, the kind of regenerative movements around the planet, which yeah. is exactly what he's calling for. So yeah. um, I think we, we, we really need to, uh, like certainly in my work, I've, I try to make these movements visual, visible to each other and yes. I, I try yes. to celebrate our diversity yes. um, rather than kind of trying to create a sort of storyline around how regenerative is better than biomimicry and better yeah. than permaculture. I see all of these. These are regenerative cultures, yes. yeah, the, yes. these movements, and they're now coming it's together. It's like a point. confluence. Yeah. And and th- that means that we all need to be able to amplify each other's work. Yes. I think and, that the, what you said about making them visible to each yeah. other, that is just such a critical point, yeah. isn't it? And, it? and it is about supporting each other and, and working with each other. And, and I think that's kind of, that's going to be the key because we all want really the same yeah, thing, don't we? Exactly. And, yeah. and it's it's part of our, what do we, you asked earlier, what education do we need? We certainly need an education that teaches us to think in a yes and rather than a no but way. Yes. And, <laughs> and even I think that in our movement, we still find, I still find it so often that People pick on, up on the little bit where they don't like the wording or they don't like mm. that particular nuance of somebody's mm. way of working instead of saying, wonderful, we're all broadly aligned and we're all still learning and we're all making mistakes. <laughs> and so if, if I didn't quite like the second side sentence that this person meant, but I love the rest of the conversation, yeah. let's not start at the little bit we've got to niggle with. Yeah, yeah? I, and, I totally and, agree and, with and, that. And yeah. co-create a world that, that actually embraces our diversity also our diversity of opinion as part of our creativity yeah so what do you think is some of the next steps that we need to be taking in this regenerative movement uh, well, for, to watch ourselves not to create another because we don't really have um time for another round of them in us type gaming yeah um and so that for me always is an invitation to who are the people that i would feel least comfortable talking to and then seeking them out to talk to them. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. And um, I, I also think that we're still a little bit under the illusion how many of us there are. The numbers are growing rapidly and they've been mm. growing rapidly in the last three or four years. But um, I think we need to go 
beyond that into popular culture. We need to engage the arts and the music industry. So you were talking um, a little bit about uh, this yesterday, about how do we, this process of amplification, this process of connecting the movements. And so I'm interested to sort of hear a little bit more about how you, how you see that emerging, because I think this is a really key point, isn't it? A couple of projects that I'm beginning to dream into with some friends is um, engaging key people in the music industry to basically create not not another life aid, not another Woodstock, but something that is an ongoing process of inviting people who write songs and sing and play music to um, message the grief for what we're losing and the hope for what we can restore mm. and um, message this this kind of on the one hand urgency of avoiding cataclysmic climate change and the this the shortness of the window of opportunity that we mm. still have but at the same time message the possibility that we can make it through the eye of the needle mm. and that we can create a better world together and yeah. and that it might take a bumpy ride of a couple of decades but yeah. um it's so the most meaningful thing you can engage with at this point yeah. in human history and or so planetary history. It's a way of connecting with people at a different level. It's not about trying to tell them about something or try mm. and convince them about something. It's in, almost, in a way, creating something that's so inviting and enticing that people just join because it's the joyous path forward. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and I think that's, where, that's why in my book I... I we pay such attention to questions rather than solutions. Yes, and I love that about your book. There is, if you want to engage people, ask them questions. What is meaningful to you? Yeah. What does what would you like to see in this place? Yeah. What is the vision that you have for for yeah. your community's future? And and then really work with the diversity of answers in yeah. a way that you can co-create from there. Yeah. And and I think that's where we need the, the creative industries to mm. begin that kind of, to make it trendy and fashionable to ask those questions. Yeah. And for, so everybody can go out and engage with their community to say, okay, um, we can't save the world, but what would you, we do mm. in this place? And, yeah. and the beauty of this at the moment is that preparing your community for a rocky ride of three decades mm. of tough climate change and mm. global catastrophes and, and all that, which mm. is probably ahead of us. Mm. So what's that? Building the resilience is actually the same pathway as restoring the system. So mm. re-regionalizing mm. production and consumption, increasing your capacity for local food, mm. cleaning up your local waterways, mm -hmm. um, reforesting, bringing, soil, uh, bringing your soil back to mm -hmm. life. All of these activities are at one at the same time climate change reversal activities mm -hmm. and over 30 years will possibly get us through this mm -hmm. rocky ride. Yeah. But at the same time, they also increase the capacity that as there will be disruptions mm -hmm. and breakdowns to, to respond to them. Yeah. So, so there, there is at least a sort of win-win in taking yeah, that yeah. path. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I wanted to just ask you a little bit about what you think is, you know, what's ahead of us in the next little while. What, what, what's your interpretation of what we're heading towards in the next few years even well it's staggering to think that the effects in terms of climate change that we're currently observing with these freak warm winters and and flash floods and and, and storms and superstorms and all of that is really these are the results of, of of greenhouse gas emissions from the 1990s mm. 
And to really feel the result of what we've emitted since will take another 10, 15 years to yeah. really hit us, which is this issue that even if we get it right now, we will actually have to prepare people for the fact that they might see a global groundswell of positive work mm. that maintains itself for three, four, five, six, seven years. Mm. But during that time, things are getting worse rather than better. Like yeah. you, On the one hand, you see some ecosystems come back a little bit and all yeah. that, but there'll still be catastrophes. Yeah. And it's this, this awareness that we've left it late and we are undergoing a species-level rite of passage. And mm. part of rite of passage work is that you don't know whether you're going to make it. Mm. But that precisely is what's going to cook us down enough so mm. our heart breaks open and our relationship mm. to earth and other can be healed mm -hmm. to my mind yeah. and so where I'm, I'm not seeing a rosy future in terms of the, 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 there will be grief and suffering but mm. at the small scale if we come together and mm -hmm. we choose a positive healing future mm -hmm. we'll also have a wonderful time because yeah. we'll have more meaning we'll have more community yeah. that we've had for a long long time yeah. and um and so i i'm beginning to prepare to pay more attention to the the second half of global yes, yeah. um, like I, I i love my global work and as long as the internet's mm. running i can do quite a bit of yes. it without le leaving <laughs> yeah. home but i really want to um dig into my bioregion and, yeah. and build a future for this island that we're standing on yeah. and, and yeah. For, for my family in a community on this island yeah yeah, yeah that's a, and i think so in a way you know a lot of that work through, you know, things like the permaculture movement, the eco-village movement that, you know, they're being carried out over the last decades is informing a lot of the kind of direction that we do need to head, but in a connected way in our in our bioregions. And, and I'm kind of seeing it, you know, where I live too, in Crystal Waters and Mullaney and our whole area. It's, it's an, quite a, a strong, it's a strong place where I feel like we're, you know, you st we're starting to even create almost like a, a local economy where we don't need let systems or things like that. Mm. People have got to a point where they they just do trade and exchange because they trust. Mm. You know, yeah. and it's and it's great to see how you know really it's quite a short period of time you can create a regenerative culture. You can regenerate the land. Like we've been out there for thirty years, mm -hmm. and that's you know thirty years. It's not a very long time. Yeah, but, but you know that. And, miracles uh, at, at, at that scale and it's kind of i think it's so what other places have you seen around the world do you think are really fabulous places to look at to kind of see what's going what's going well what are some examples that we can kind of look to and go oh okay that's kind of how we could do it or that's how we could do it yeah. well i, I mean I, I remember that when when um robert gilman and diane gilman traveled around all the eco villages mm. and, and looked at them all and, and then they they kind of came back, and this was in the 1990s, saying um, that not one of them was a proper sustainable mm. community that, that would f function forever no. after. But that if you overlay the patterns that they were all working on, yeah. um, you could create a, a meta pattern that, that actually made sense. Yeah. And, and so I like I feel tempted to na name Fintown as one of those mm. places. I lived there for four years, and it also has its dysfunctionality yeah, still. Yeah. And, and these intentional communities, they're more, I, I see them as pressure cookers for human development yeah, and opportunities yeah. to really learn fast I think uh, so, and yeah. experiment with things yeah. in a way that is a, sort of a bit outside of the, the normal system. Mm. But we really need to bring it into the cities and into yeah. like normal people who 
don't have that impulse to join an intentional community. Yeah. Um, but in terms of maps of hope, um, my friend David McConville from the Buckminster Fuller Institute mm -hmm. um, started a map that's on Google. If, if you okay, look right. um, regenerative projects, map Google, oh, great. BFI, okay. or, or ask me for the link. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah. Because it, what's on that map, it's, it's not just... Um, all the projects we can find it's it's basically projects that are established enough that they have a little video and they have a website oh, and they tell a story and, and they're, they're amazing projects yeah. all around the world yeah. uh, great bear forests in canada and, yeah. and in the, um, some of the projects in brazil that, that um, mm. should get a lot more visibility yeah. and sketch's work on centrophic ag um, agriculture yeah, right. and um, yeah all around the world so the link to that because i think people who are watching this would love to kind of dive into that and see what you're talking about yeah I, I don't know the exact link. It's basically if you go onto the BFI website, Buckminster Fuller Institute yep. website, and you look for regeneration project map. Okay. Then you'll we'll find, find it. it. Okay, great. <laughs> and I'll try and find it and I'll put it down yeah. below. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's your next step? Just as we're heading back to the, the Finca, what well, do you think's your your greatest work coming up in this next year or two one, one thing that well oh, as, as i said on the one on the one hand i really want to um find a piece of land and start growing my own little food forest mm -hmm. and and increase my own local resilience a little bit yeah which will take up a lot of the time yeah, yeah. um but i've also got some funding to um, do something that i wanted to do for a very long time which is i've been blessed with a disproportionate amount of mentors mm. for for one lifetime mm. I, 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 it makes me almost tearful to yeah. to mention it because it's really something that for, for a long time i was actually um fi finding it difficult to live with the responsibility of having learned so much from mm. so many amazing mm. people in in a personal connection yeah. way and, and it's only since my book and has come out and i've i've started to share this more through mm. social media that mm. I feel a, a certain relief of that burden. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and basically what I want to do is to interview or have conversations with all these mentors. Some mm. of them are now in the 80s yeah. and um, some of them are much younger than yeah. me. Yeah. And, and to, to basically make visible their work, again, make, vi yeah. make them visible to each yeah. other, make their wisdom known to mm. the people that, that I've got on social media yeah. um, interested and, and basically spreading the good work yeah. that, that they're doing, yeah. but doing it in a way that is in a conversation where I can tr kind of weave the connections yeah. bec between all Very those nice. pieces they hold. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's one of my. Well, do you know? It's kind of funny you say that because mm -hmm. I kind of feel very much the same. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we should keep sharing our mm -hmm. conversations that we have, and and because uh, I think it's I think it's a really important thing, isn't it? That it is about sharing sharing the stories and helping to to evolve a new story about mm -hmm. where we're heading. Yeah. Because yeah. it's that's kind of I think how how the message does ripple out is through those personal stories, through the personal exactly. connections, and through feeling into it you know i think we need to move out of our heads quite mm -hmm. often and actually yeah. into our heart and then create those really practical skills locally that you're talking about and and connect all those things together and yeah again this, it's i always find i agree we need to get out of our heads and into our hearts but we also don't need to forget our heads oh no and, not of, and, no, of and, course not and yeah. it's, it's always this 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 being really aware that one of the the, the things that happens a lot in, in our movement is mm. we're talking about paradigm shifting mm. yeah? i I think that there's a danger in the framing of a paradigm shift that mm. is a from this to that. Mm. And too often in human history have we forgotten what was valuable about the old system mm. 
in this frustration with it yeah. that then made yeah. us swing over to the new system. Yeah. And and I think we, we really need to become more integrative mm -hmm. in, the, in that way of, of valuing all that diversity. Mm -hmm. And in terms of what you and I are doing with social media work, like the more we amplify each other's mm -hmm. outputs, mm. because there's such diversity of people out there, mm. they will resonate One, one person will resonate with that person's framing, another person's with that yep. person. So, so the more we, we keep our diversity yep. vibrant, the yep. more people we can reach yeah, actively. Right. Um, yep. And, and then as we, as we do so in a mutually amplifying, supportive mm -hmm. way, we, people begin to realize that, yeah, okay, like I can learn from this person too and from this person. And, and we, yep. we create a pathway yep. for people to, to go deeper with all this. Yep. Yeah. No, it sounds fantastic. Yeah. I look forward to working with yeah. you more and hopefully seeing you again. It's yes. just so wonderful. Yeah, it's wonderful. I know. Have it's... a look at this background oh there. Look at the clouds. We're just in <laughs> such a magical place. Yes, absolutely. And you're, you're yes. just, yeah, you've found yourself to a beautiful place to live. Yeah. Yeah. Thank well, you for spending the time today. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so thanks for tuning in to the Sensemaking in a Changing World podcast today. It's been a real pleasure to have your company. I invite you to subscribe and receive notification of each new weekly episode with more wonderful stories, ideas, inspiration, and common sense for living and working regeneratively. And call positive permaculture thinking and design into action in this changing world. I'm including a transcript below and a link also to my four-part permaculture series, really looking at what is permaculture and how to make it your livelihood too. So join me again in the next episode where we talk with another fascinating guest. I look forward to seeing you there.